what a privilege for us to worship God together as one heartbeat in this Adventist global virtual camp meeting, even though we may be separated by many kilometers. Although the COVID-19 pandemic has isolated so many during this unusual time, God brings us together electronically and most importantly through the power of the Holy Spirit, binding us together. Certainly with all of God's goodness during this difficult time, it is an opportunity to praise God even during the pandemic and the after effects. To know that God will lead us step by step as he has been doing is cause for praise to our Lord and coming King. Yes, Jesus is coming soon. I believe it with all my heart. As we look around us, we see multiple signs of his soon return. These signs are God's blessings to us. Now, one of the greatest blessings is to study and read God's word, the Holy Bible. Today, we're going to be looking at the beautiful aspects of Isaiah chapter 6 and understand that God has a plan for each of us and his people living at the end of time, regardless of where we are living. He's asking you to say, yes, I will go. I will be part of God's great last proclamation to this world. Yes, what a privilege to worship together as God's people, even during this pandemic and all the challenges we face. We are God's remnant people under his care. As his remnant people, we have a message and a mission. And I know he's using every one of you as you humble yourself before the Lord. Without a doubt, we are living in the tips of the toes of that amazing prophetic statue found in Daniel chapter 2. The next thing that happens is the coming of the Lord in that prophecy that Daniel saw. The statue of Nebuchadnezzar and those toes and feet that were mixed with iron and clay. Jesus will be coming represented by that stone cut out without man's hands that will come and smash the statue and set up the final kingdom of God that will last forever. And of course, that's all in God's plan. And what a privilege to be part of God's worldwide work. God calls all of us during this time of intense stress. People have lost their jobs. People are fighting COVID-19 or some other illness. People have become discouraged with all the restrictions placed on them. Frustrations have developed in families and with others. People have become depressed. Many people have lost hope and have asked, is this the end of the world? Is this one of the seven last plagues found in the book of Revelation in the Bible? Well, it's not quite the end of the world, and it's not one of those seven last plagues because they're very specific. But I want to tell you something with absolute certainty. This is a huge wake-up call for all of us, for Jesus is coming soon. God is calling for you to be part of an amazing outreach in proclaiming the three angels' messages of Revelation 14, verses 6 through 12. 
telling people about the everlasting gospel powerfully shared by that first angel. The amazing everlasting gospel that goes to every nation, kindred, tribe, and people reaching out to people on a national basis, across local communities, across neighborhoods, reaching people with that message of amazing events that will soon appear. God is saying, wake up everyone and worship God. Worship the Lord, not other beings or other aspects of life. You see, that first message tells us to worship God and give him the glory for the hour of his judgment has come. What a precious message. The everlasting gospel is the saving power of Jesus Christ, who in that wonderful council with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons in one, which we believe in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, working together even before the establishment of this earth. They knew because of their omniscience, their all-knowing aspect, because of this power, they knew that the earth would fall because of the temptations of Satan, the great deceiver. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit made a plan of escape, and Christ volunteered, and he said, yes, I will go. I will be the one to save the creatures that we created. So Jesus came to this earth. He came in a humble way, not to a five-star hotel, but to a one-star barn. And there he was born. He grew up in Nazareth, lived a perfect life, and conducted his ministry for three and a half years of unselfish service. And then... He died on a cruel cross for you and for me. But he didn't stay on that cross. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose and he is interceding in heaven for you and me as our high priest. Praise be to God. As Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, you can come boldly to the throne of grace because we have a high priest who understands our own lives and situations. Praise the Lord. He is the creator. He is the lamb. He is the high priest. And he is our coming king. What a plan of salvation. The gospel. Thank God for the everlasting gospel. And then, of course, that second angel's message proclaimed in Revelation chapter 14, verse 8 which indicates that Babylon is fallen, that Babylon is full of chaos and confusion, and that Babylon will be completely distant from God and from his precious truth. And that's what we have today. Then, of course, that third angel's message, telling people to stay away from worshiping the beast and his image and not to receive the mark of the beast represented by Sunday keeping, a false day of worship, which is in complete opposition to Christ and his seventh day Sabbath, the very day on which he asked us to worship him, the seventh day Sabbath. When you accept the mark of the beast, 
or when it is placed upon you, it is a sign of your allegiance to that which is false, self-centered, and satanic. But when you honor God and by his power keep holy his sacred seventh-day Sabbath, you receive God's seal or his sign for his special seal is the seventh-day Sabbath. That's why we're worshiping on the seventh-day Sabbath, in honor of God's creative power and his recreative power. It is the sign of his authority as the creator and as our redeemer. Praise God for the holy Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. What a privilege to be able to proclaim God's true day of rest and to realize that in the three angels' messages, at the very core of those messages is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his justifying righteousness, righteousness by faith, and his sanctifying righteousness. When we allow Christ's righteousness to work within us, his power works to will and to do of his own good pleasure so that we might be wonderful letters, as Paul says, written of God, exemplifying his power, so people can see in our lives the amazing opportunity of overcoming our sinful tendencies and the temptations of the devil completely through the power of God. Yes, we will have temptations. We're going to have sin all around us, and we are sinful human beings. We fall at times into sin, but we have a Savior who will pick us up and as we submit to his control of our lives, take us on into glory, all through his righteousness. And that's the very core of the three angels' messages. Christ's overcoming power in our lives as we completely submit to him moment by moment. Adding to the three angels is that fourth angel of Revelation 18, 1 through 4, which helps us to understand even more fully the call of the three angels' messages to come out of Babylon and confusion and stay true to God in his precious remnant church. What a message you and I have to share in this age of confusion right now, when everything that can be shaken seems to be shaking. God is calling you to be a vital part of his last day proclamation. He wants to use you. He wants you, a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, a teenager, to be an example. So each one who is completely submitted to Jesus Christ and wholly allows the Holy Spirit to work in your life in a powerful way and a wonderful way will be used by him. You see, God wants you in your daily life to be a witness for him. And he's calling for you right now. As you may know, the world church has made strategic evangelistic plans for the future where everybody can be involved. That's part of total member involvement. For this quinquennium strategic plans, we have kept the particular theme of reach the world as we had last quinquennium. 
That's what our mission is, actually. The Great Commission of Matthew 28, 19 and 20, telling us to go into all the world to preach the gospel. It's part of that everlasting gospel indicated in Revelation 14, verse 6, that we are to be part of this amazing outreach to the world, to the nation, to the community, to our families. God is calling you into this wonderful participatory activity right now. Now, in this special plan, Reach the World, we thought we needed something very personal in it. And so we thought about various additional themes. We heard about a, a marvelous, small, short title or motto, a motivating motto, and a response that young people created. In fact, those young people were in Argentina, South America, at Universidad Adventista del Plata. Such mission-minded and evangelistic, enthusiastic young people. Young people focused on sharing God's word and the promise of Jesus soon coming. Those young people developed a three-word response. I will go. Now, we heard about that and we thought, wow, that's a really great phrase, simple, forceful, personal, and full of commitment. I will go. So we had someone contact those young people asking if we could use that special motto for our worldwide program. And of course, the young people readily agreed for us to use it, but I think they wanted us to let the World Church know that Young people came up with that beautiful motto. So the motto became, reach the world, I will go. You see, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, we read an amazing story that developed in terms of Isaiah's being called by God to proclaim a very special message. The book of Isaiah is a beautiful book with so many fantastic chapters in it that appeal to all of us and help us to know that God is constantly calling us all throughout our experience. God says, come to me and I will make you something special and show my truth through you. Now, back to Isaiah chapter 6. I, I want to begin with verse 1, and I want you to focus on this in a very special way. Now, it says here, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, that was giving the period of time and what was developing at that time. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Now, obviously, God took Isaiah into vision. He helped him to see the very throne room of heaven itself. And it says this throne room was high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. It was an amazing sight. Imagine entering the throne room of heaven. Isaiah was given that privilege through vision. Well, what does it say next? In verse 2, it says, Above it stood seraphim. Now, these are angels, all right? And then it says, each one had six wings. Now, this is, this is interesting. Six wings. 
Well, what did they use six wings for? Well, to cover his face with two of the wings. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Well, if you only needed two to fly, why cover your face and why cover your feet? You see, this was a sign of great respect to the king of the universe. As you may know, I, I grew up in Cairo, Egypt. I, I love the Middle East. It's, it's my home. Even to this day, I love the culture, the people, the food, the setting. I love the desert. I mean, yes, I like green trees and lots of nice vegetation and forests and the mountains and all that. But I also love the desert. There's something very special, I suppose, about where you have grown up. You have an affinity to that setting. Now, in Egypt and in the Middle East, when you're visiting with someone, if you're sitting in their living room, you have to be careful about cultural practices, and you've got to be careful about what you do and what you don't do. Now, typically, and I'll just use this as an example, uh, Americans many times, as you know, are very casual. They'll sit down in a chair and maybe they'll cross their legs showing the bottom of their shoes. You would never do that in the Middle East since the bottom of your shoe is dirty and offensive. Instead, you want to show respect. And that is what those angels are doing, showing respect by covering their feet and their faces, showing amazing respect to the Almighty God. Well, these angels cried one to another. And in verse three, it says, they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, if you want to read another beautiful rendition of this, read it in Revelation chapter four. There are only 11 verses in that chapter. You can read it later today. It's an amazing chapter because it tells about what true worship is and an understanding of how to worship God in order to truly bring glory to him and, and not to yourself. In verse 4 uh, of Isaiah 6, it indicates the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. Now, get the picture, okay? I mean, this is an amazing experience. Isaiah was having so many sensory impressions, a, a huge throne. The robe of the Lord is filling the entire area. These angels are crying to each other, showing great respect, saying, holy, holy, holy. And, and then there's all this shaking going on because these Voices are so powerful, and then smoke. I mean, this is an amazing experience. Isaiah was just overwhelmed. Well, I would be, and I'm sure you would be too. Well, it says then in verse 5 that it was just too much for Isaiah, and he just says, Woe to me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. He felt like he didn't belong there, probably thinking, I don't understand why God has brought me here because I just feel so unworthy. I'm sinful. 
what am I doing amidst all of this amazing throne room activity? Well, verse 5 continues with Isaiah saying, And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was so impressed and was in complete awe. He felt his worthless condition because he was a sinner. Now, you know, I, I don't know what you're experiencing right now. Perhaps you may be a bit discouraged today. Maybe something has happened in your life that has distracted you from looking to Christ and the beauty of knowing him. Or maybe you've got some health challenge. Or maybe you have a problem in your home. Perhaps there's a really fractious situation where you work, or perhaps you are working from home and are having problems. Maybe there is something that's really troubling you. You may just feel like Isaiah, very much undone. And you may also identify with Isaiah saying, woe is me, you know, I'm, I'm undone. I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling really low. Well, the Lord knows exactly what's happening to you right now. And he knows how to remedy that situation. You see, even before Isaiah could even put more thoughts together, it says in verse 6 that one of the seraphim, one of those angels, flew to Isaiah having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the use of tongs from the altar. Verse 7 says, and he touched my mouth with it. You see, God knew that Isaiah needed to be encouraged and that he needed to be purified, that he needed to be justified and sanctified through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So this coal was taken off the altar and symbolically was a cleansing of his sins. Now, you don't take a hot coal and put it on tender, sensitive lips. But this was a figurative understanding that Isaiah was being purified by God. And what did the angel say to him? Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Oh, Isaiah was so excited because, let me tell you, as you know yourself in your own personal experience, when you confess your sins, God is faithful to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, just as 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 promises us. Now, coming back to those three angels' messages, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is the core of those three angels' messages, turning people back to the true worship of God and not to some kind of religion that mixes error with truth, not some religion that is humanly focused, not some religion that has so much humanism in it that it doesn't have anything about God or very little. No, it's all about God as we focus upon Christ and his righteousness. 
So Isaiah, after having this amazing experience and feeling the burden rolled away off of his shoulders, hears a voice, and it was the voice of the Lord in verse 8. The Lord is speaking to you and to me right now as he spoke to Isaiah. God said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? I think the last word there is very important. Now in the English language, and it may be different in other languages, it has the us capitalized, which signifies that this pronoun is referring to God himself. Now it didn't say just who will go for me, it says, who will go for us? It means the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one. Now, I can't explain that. No one can. But I believe it. I accept that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three persons working together as one in a powerful way. So they say, who will go for us? Then I said, this is Isaiah saying this now. Here am I, send me. In essence, I will go. <clears throat> the Lord is calling you today in this very difficult and tough time. So many challenges that we're facing, uncertainty and an unknown future, humanly speaking. God is calling you to share with others the wonderful good news that Christ has a way of escape for all of us and that soon he is coming to take us home, to be with him. Will you respond affirmatively, positively? Will you say, yes, Lord, I will go. I will do everything I can to share with my neighbors, with my friends, with my loved ones, with those I work with, this precious, wonderful message. You see, God wants you to be involved. He could have asked the angels to do the work. That's what we're told. But he decided that we needed that participation in his whole plan of salvation. And what a blessing it is to be part of it. That is what total member involvement really is. Now, let me read you something from the Spirit of Prophecy from Last Day Events, page 75. And it says, Everywhere there is a tendency to substitute the work of organizations for individual effort. I mean, let me comment on that. Oh, well, uh, maybe you were thinking, let the conference do that. Let the evangelists do that. Let the mission do that. Why not let the teachers do that in the school? I don't need to do that. So we get organizations to do what should be done in an individual way. Now, the quotation goes on to say, multitudes leave to institutions and organizations the work of benevolence. They excuse themselves from contact with the world and their hearts grow cold. You see, when you're not involved in helping somebody else, your heart gets spiritually cold. Then it goes on to say, they become self-absorbed and unimpressible. 
It means God has a hard time touching them in sensitive situations. It goes on to say, love for God and man dies out of the soul. Well, I want to tell you, we're facing some very big challenges ahead. We know that from the books Daniel and Revelation and Matthew chapter 24 and other places in scripture and, of course, that wonderful book, uh, The Great Controversy. And the Lord wants you to be of good courage, to stay connected with him through Bible study, through the study of the spirit of prophecy, through prayer, and then saying in response to the Holy Spirit's promptings, Lord, yes, use me. I will go. I will do whatever I can with the talents you have given to me. In closing, let me share just If you have it close by, you can reference it or you can certainly access it online. It is the Spirit of Prophecy compilation of Ellen White's writings in the book entitled Christian Service. That's the name of the book, Christian Service. It's an amazing book with marvelous counsel on so many aspects of serving God in these last days of Earth's history. I strongly recommend that you get a copy and read it or access it online. After having read it myself, I have all kinds of notes and underlinings in the book. It's an amazing book covering so many different subjects. Let me read to you just a little bit. On page 158, we read, the work which the church has failed to do in a time of peace and prosperity she will have to do in a terrible crisis under most discouraging, forbidding circumstances. Now, the COVID-19 pandemic that the world has gone through was not an easy situation at all. It is difficult, but let me tell you, we're going to be facing a lot harder situations in the future as we know, as I've mentioned from the books of Daniel and Revelation and the Great Controversy. If you haven't read that book recently, The Great Controversy, please read it. My wife, Nancy, and I have been reading some of the last portions of the book, looking at some of those amazing things that are going to happen. And we will continue to read from that book. And I encourage you to do the same. We know that we're going to face many miserable troubles and trials ahead. But don't get discouraged. God is with us. Emmanuel, that's one of the words, that's one of the names for Christ. God is with us. He's going to be with us, as Matthew 28, 20 tells us, to the end of the world. He will be by our side, even in the most difficult situations, so that God's work can continue. Now, let me read another one on page 136 of Christian Service. There are stormy times before us, but let us not utter one word of unbelief or discouragement. Let us remember that we bear a message of healing to a world filled with sin-sick souls. There are so many people who need to hear the good word of the Lord from you. They need to understand that you have a strong belief in God and that you're not discouraged. 
let's not utter one word of unbelief or discouragement for the Lord wants to use you and me in a powerful way, all through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now talking about those angels in Isaiah chapter six and those amazing seraphim that were flying and serving God and helping Isaiah, listen to this in Christian service on page 258, cherubim and seraphim, those that were referenced in, in Isaiah 6, and angels that excel in strength stand at God's right hand, all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. And that means you and me. And then this last quote, before I ask you again, are you willing to go? It says on page 260 in Christian service, again, that beautiful book, I hope you'll access that book and read it. Here it is on page 260. All the heavenly angels are at the service of the humble, believing people of God. That means, why don't we just put your name or your local church right in there. It goes on to say, and as the Lord's army of workers here below sing the songs of praise, the choir above join with them in ascribing praise to God and to his son. May God bless each one of you as you respond to this amazing call in the last days of history for truly, Jesus is coming soon. And he asks you, are you willing to go? Are you willing to be part of my last day message before I return? One day, very soon, you'll look up into the eastern sky and you'll see that little dark cloud about half the size of a man's hand. It gets brighter and brighter and larger and larger as soon it fills the entire sky. And as you look up into that cloud, you see millions of angels, all of heaven poured out for this climactic event. And there in the very middle of that cloud, you will see the King of Kings, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who has come to take us home. We'll look up and we'll say, this is the God that we have waited for and he will save us. And Jesus will look down and say, well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of your Lord. God wants you to say to him, yes, Lord, I will go and invite others to be there that day when Jesus comes. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, to influence as many of your friends as possible, to fall at the foot of the cross in front of Christ and accept the Lord and his everlasting gospel, and then to become a missionary for those ones that you bring to the cross of Christ to become missionaries for him as well, saying, I will go. If you're willing to say, yes, Lord, I will go. 
would you just raise your hand wherever you are right now? Amen. Thank you. May God bless each one of you as we look forward to Christ's soon coming and the sharing of the three angels' messages with Holy Spirit power. Let me pray with you right now. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege of being part of your last day proclamation, proclaiming the messages of scripture, proclaiming the wonderful prophecies, proclaiming the three angels' messages, proclaiming that you are coming soon. Thank you for the appeal in Isaiah 6, where we are asked, who will I send and who is going to go for us? And Lord, the privilege that we have of saying, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me, I will go. Lord, use each one who has raised his or her hand, who has committed themselves to your great proclamation of spreading this last day message to the world, a message of hope, a message of encouragement. Yes, and also a message of warning, but all pointing back to Jesus Christ, our righteousness, the one who is the center of everything that we do, and our Redeemer, who is soon to come and take us home. Lord, bless each one today as they respond to you and say, I will go. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and coming King. Amen.